Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. This is the word of God. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Father, we pray that you might give us open hearts and minds to hear your word. Uh, We pray uh, for all of us, uh, wherever we might be, uh, whether we're feeling uh, content in life or really struggling, uh, we pray that this word will be a word of comfort uh, and assurance for us. We pray all of this in the name of our great Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, I wonder whether you've uh, woken up on a Sunday morning, uh, maybe it was this morning, uh, and you thought to yourself, I really don't want to go to church. I really don't want to go to church. Some weeks, it just seems like a real effort, right? Um, there's, a, there's an online blogger named Ariana Freeland uh, who wrote uh, a, piece, a piece of writing a couple of years ago reflecting on why church might be hard for people. Uh, let me read the first part of her post, and I want, you to think, I want you to think whether any of these things might resonate with you or your experience at church. So this is Ariana Freeland. Church is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors, afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the preacher's family, under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together, but doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to the service. Church is hard for the single mum, surrounded by couples holding hands and seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow and widower with no invitation to lunch after service. Church is hard for the deacon with a estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing worship songs, overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role as a leader. Church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard for the creche volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love. Church is hard for the single woman and single man, praying God brings them a mate. 
Church is hard for the teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter, ashamed of her mistakes. Church is hard for the sinners. Now, it's amazing uh, the number of people I've spoken to over the, over the last couple of years, people who love Jesus, who love their church, and yet they feel a sense of emptiness or anxiety or dissatisfaction or exclusion. You know, worshiping together is meant to be this wonderful, amazing spiritual experience where you're able to come together, experience the love of Christ, and yet some weeks we're distracted or we're drained or we're disappointed and we, we just find ourselves not really wanting to be at church. Why does going to church, why can going to church feel so hard? I think at the heart of it, it's because we're all sinners. We're all sinners who are broken and helpless and in need of grace. And when we gather, to, uh, gather together each week to worship God, we are starkly reminded of the fact that we aren't perfect compared to everyone else here. And perhaps that leads us to think that maybe we don't quite belong here. Friends, if you feel this way, then let me encourage you with the fact that you are not alone. Church is hard in so many ways. But as we reflect on God's word this morning, I think we're going to see that it is not only meant to be like this, but it needs to be like this. Because, friends, when you feel that church is hard, then that's where God's grace will do its work. When we experience grace, we experience a kindness that we do not deserve. And God's kindness to us in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ requires us to recognize how utterly undeserving we are as sinners who fall short of the glory of God. And this is important uh, because it is this grace that ought to shape our worship together as a church. Uh, And we see this grace dynamic all the way through our passage today as we come towards the tail end of Paul's letter to the Romans. So if you have a Bible there, can you please keep it open up at Romans uh, chapter 15? Uh, For a bit of context, Paul spends the latter half of the letter of Romans giving instructions and directions about how to live out all of the theological truths that he's expounded in the first half of Romans. And part of the reality of living out the fact that you've received God's grace and mercy in Jesus, part of the reality of that fact uh, is that you need to pay close attention to the way you love and treat other believers, and particularly those who you may consider to be weaker or younger or less mature than you in their faith. And so as we come to Romans 15... Uh, This is where Paul continues to address those who are strong, and he asks them not to be self-centered in their worship. So have uh, have a look at your Bibles with me at Romans 15, verse 1, and I'll read out the first three verses again. Paul writes, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
Let, it, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Did you see how those who are strong are meant to treat those who are weak? The strong are to uphold the weak, to be patient and to bear with them, to do not what would please themselves, but what would please their weak brothers and sisters and build them up in their faith. Now, I wonder, when you come to read this passage, do you find yourself identifying with uh, one group or the other? Do you find yourself identifying with the strong? Or perhaps you find yourself identifying with the weak? You know, perhaps deep down, uh, you think of yourself as the stronger brother or sister. Uh, You've been a Christian for a while. You know your Bible well enough to be able to explain the difference between biblical and systematic theology. You sign up to all of SLE's training courses. You do your best to put sin to death and to live in godliness and holiness. You seek to serve and disciple other believers in their faith. Or do you see yourself as the weaker brother or sister? Maybe you haven't been very consistent with your Bible reading or with your prayers. You've been a bit lax with coming along to church or to your fellowship group or your Bible study. You feel that you've not been behaving in a way that honors Jesus and that everyone else seems to be more holy than you are. Which group did you identify with more? If I'm honest, there are times where I identify with both. But whichever way you lean, notice what Paul says in verse 3. The reason that the strong are not to look out for themselves but for the weak is because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus bore the sin and shame of the world on the cross, he wasn't doing it for himself. He was our strong brother who sought to build all of us up in our weakness, in our sinfulness, by laying down his life for us. You see, friends, what the gospel shows us is that we are all the weaker brother and sister. And God's grace shines forth into our weakness through Jesus, who by his strength, bore our failings to build us up. It is is only by knowing and experiencing this grace for ourselves that we are then compelled to build those weaker in the faith. And so in this way, grace shapes our worship together and redirects it away from ourselves. Because the truth is, None of us are strong in faith without Jesus. Which means there is no honor in being strong. And it also means that there is no shame in being weak. It is okay to find church, to find worship difficult. In fact, it is expected. It is okay to be weak. Because in that weakness, we find grace. And when we let that grace reshape our hearts and minds and attitudes, 
then our worship will rightly shift away from being concerned for ourselves. Now, who here likes superhero movies? <laughs> not, not that many of you. What is, Steve, what are you, what's going on? <laughs> who here is a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Come on. <laughs> I, I, okay, never mind. Um, my, my wife Maggie has accused me of being a Marvel fanboy because I just blindly love whatever Marvel releases because it's from Marvel. And I must admit that she is right. And, you know, the latest phase of movies in the MCU, um, let's just say they've had a, a few mixed reactions, uh, but I find myself staunchly defending their quality and their goodness. And, you know, maybe that makes me the weaker brother. Who knows? Um, but there's, there's one film in this latest phase of Marvel uh, movies that has bucked that trend of mediocrity. And that film, of course, is... Uh, you guys aren't fans, that's right. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Uh, who here's watched Spider-Man? Okay, all right. I hope I don't spoil it for people. Uh, it's, it's been spoiled by them anyway. Um, and Spider-Man, you know, there have been multiple generations of Spider-Man movies. Uh, there's the Tobey Maguire movies, there's the Andrew Garfield movies, and then there's the Tom Holland movies. And uh, spoiler alert, this latest movie brings all three Spider-Mans together. And it was, for me, it was like a dream come true for someone who grew up watching the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies on pirated Malaysian VCDs. <laughs> Uh, piracy is bad. I've repented of my ways. Um, the thing about Spider-Man is that even though he's super smart, even though he's super strong, super talented, he can climb up walls, he can swing on his web, he's not really all that interested in being a big shot superhero. Uh, in his own words, he just says that he wants to help and protect the people in can. He just wants to be that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And look out for the little guy. And that humble attitude reminds me of these verses. Those strong in faith shouldn't seek to be known as that big shot super Christian, but instead to look out for the little guy, to help and protect and build up those weaker in the faith. Um, for those of you who are fans of Spider-Man, I've kind of riffed off one of the famous lines from the movie. With great grace... There must come great humility. With great faith, there must come great responsibility. Grace reshapes our worship so that it is directed away from ourselves. And Paul goes on in the passage now to demonstrate where our worship should instead be directed towards. And so let me read from 15 verse 4 to 6. Romans 15 verse 4 to 6. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the strong are to build up the weak, how exactly are they to do this? 
Paul says in verse 4 that it, it is what is written in the Scriptures that gives us endurance and encouragement so that we might have hope. Now let's break this down a little bit. If you're despairing in your weakness, such that you're finding church, you're finding worship, you're finding life a bit too difficult, what is it that you need in order to pull through? Well, firstly, you need hope. You need a vision for what the end will look like. But also you need the certainty that, will, that you will make it to that point. And see, what keeps the sinner from falling into despair is a vision of the end. A vision of new creation where people will be unable to sin. But not just a vision of what's to come, we need a certainty that it will happen. And for that, we look no further than the risen Lord Jesus. You see, in his resurrection, Jesus gives us that glimpse, that certainty of the world to come. By his resurrection, Jesus has given the proof that this will happen. You see, friends, our hope is found in the gospel of the risen Lord Jesus. Firstly, you need hope. Secondly, you need to be able to cling on to this hope. And this is where endurance and encouragement come in. See, without these things, we succumb uh, to despair and discouragements. We lose sight of the bigger picture and we focus in on our immediate sufferings. Our view becomes narrower and indeed our grasp of the gospel becomes smaller and less significant. But Paul reminds us that we, that we do have a source of perseverance and exaltation. It is what is written in the Scriptures. And what do we find in the Scriptures? Well, friends, we find the gospel of grace. We find God himself coming close to us to endure suffering, to endure death for the sins of the world, to rise again and to give us a picture of the hope to come and to give us the encouragement to persevere in our weakness. And so when we come together as a church, when we come together to worship, the gospel needs to be front and centre. The way in which the strong build up the weak is by ministering God's word and letting the gospel do its work of grace. You see, God redirects our gaze and our worship away from ourselves and back onto him, the source and guarantee of our hope. You see, when you come to church, you don't come to dwell on your own weakness and flaws. You don't come to compare yourselves with others who appear to be holier than you. No, you come to fix your eyes on the God of grace and together with one voice give glory to him. God's grace finds us in our weakness and despair and it reshapes our worship away from ourselves and up towards God. But Paul doesn't end there. The question remains then, what does our God-directed worship look like? 
What does it involve? What is it that brings God glory? Well, notice what Paul says about this in Romans 15, verse 7 and following. Verse 7, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might, be, might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Did you see what it is that brings God glory? It's right there at the beginning. Welcome one another. Or in other words, accept and receive one another, just as Christ has received and welcomed you. And how has Christ welcomed us? It's not uh, with a warm smile and a friendly handshake. He's not sitting at that welcoming table outside church, making sure we've booked our tickets on Eventbrite and giving us our bulletin. No, Jesus welcomes by including those who were once excluded. Now, you might be familiar with the idea that God's promises of salvation were initially made uh, to the Jews, what Paul refers to here as the circumcised. The Jews were his chosen people. And so God's promises of salvation, because they were made to these uh, Jews, they excluded Gentiles, uh, which is a fancy word for everyone else. But by dying for all, Jesus welcomed the Gentiles. He welcomed you and me into these promises so that we are no longer excluded. And because Jesus has welcomed us, we should do the same for others. And as we do, as we welcome others, we are reflecting the reality of what God has already achieved in Christ by His grace. And that's why welcoming others brings him glory. God is glorified when the realities of his gospel are lived out and reflected in the lives of his gospel people. This means that when we think of welcoming one another, it's more than just the warm and smiley face at the front door to your home or at church. When we think of accepting one another, it's more than just acknowledging people for who they are. To welcome and accept one another as Christ has done for us means to treat one another with grace. Grace that recognizes that we are all sinners and grace that recognizes that we have the same Savior. So when we come to church, we come as those who were all at one time excluded, but have now been graciously included by God's grace. And so we look to one another not as enemies. I'm sure you don't look at each other as enemies. Um, we don't look to each other as rivals. We don't look to each other as competition or, or points for comparison. We look to each other as genuine brothers and sisters in Christ. We see each other in all of our weaknesses, in all of our despairing, in all of our exclusion, and we say, welcome. 
it's so good to have you as my brother or sister in Christ. Do you see how grace reshapes our worship? From our passage today, we've been reminded that we are all weak in our sin, but we have all received the undeserved gift of salvation in Jesus. And this directs our worship away from ourselves so that we're not here at church to please ourselves or to puff ourselves up. We're here at church to bear with and build up others in their faith. We've been encouraged to keep God and his gospel front and center so that we might continue in hope amidst the, amidst the despair of our sin. And this reflects our worship rightly towards God as we unite with one voice and mind to bring glory to him. We've been exhorted to welcome one another as those who were once excluded but now included in Christ. And this informs our worship so that we understand it is not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. So what does this all mean for those who find church hard? What does it mean for those uh, feeling vulnerable in their faith, for those losing grip on their hope, for those feeling on the outside and distance from God and the community? Well, friends, I hope you see that when our worship is being shaped by grace, the difficulties of church become its beauty. Church is meant to be hard. It needs to be hard because it is in this beautiful mess of God's people that God's grace is at work. Church is the place where messiness comes together in a beautiful cacophony of grace. When you look around and see everyone else who is here, you see their mess, you see their weakness, you see their sin, and you think to yourself, how good is it that everyone is here because they are saved by grace? Praise God. Now, if you're here with us because you're exploring Christianity, then I want to say to you that it's so good that you're here with us as well. I hope you can see that the church of God's people is not characterized by perfection, but by grace. Here you find a bunch of sinners who don't deserve to be saved and can do nothing to save themselves. And because of that, they've entrusted themselves to fully to Jesus, their Savior. My prayer is that you too would recognize that without the hope of Jesus, there's nothing you can do to save yourself from death. There's nothing you can do except to entrust yourself to the grace of God found in the risen Lord Jesus. Friends, when church is hard, you see God's grace at work. Uh, the piece of writing from earlier, uh, from Ariana Frillin, uh, finishes her post uh, with these words, which I'll read out. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside, it all looks shiny and perfect, Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers, you find a body of imperfect people, carnal souls, Selfish motives. But 
Here is the beauty of the church. Church isn't a building, a mentality, or an expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Grace is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body, and the circle of sinners turned saints is where he resides. And if we ask, he is faithful to come. So even on the hard days at church, the days when I'm odds with a friend, when I've worked in bearing burdens heavier than my heart can handle, yet masking the pain of a smile on my face, when I've worn the pressures of the world under the microscope, when I've longed for a baby to hold or fought tears as the lyrics were sung, when I've walked back in, afraid and broken, after walking away, I'll remember. He has never failed to meet me there. Friends, may our worship continue to be shaped by the gospel of grace. When grace shapes our worship, whether that's in our gathering here at church or in our day-to-day lives, then the gospel is on display for all to see and God is glorified. If you're not yet here a Christian, then I hope you see that this grace, uh, I hope you see this grace in this church, even amidst all the messiness and sinfulness of the people here. If you are a Christian, then I want to encourage you to let grace do its work in your heart so that you turn away from worshipping yourself and turn back, united with your fellow brothers and sisters, to worshipping the God who has shown you amazing grace. Let me pray. How gracious, Father, we thank you so much for the grace and mercy you have shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those of us who are feeling weak, for those who struggle to be at church. Might they see this as an opportunity to know your grace and to be uplifted and encouraged. For those of us here who see the weakness of our brothers and sisters, might your word this morning be a challenge to us to seek to love and serve those who are weaker because we ourselves are weak and know the grace of our strong brother in Christ. I pray for SLE, um, for all the people here, that they might know your grace and that this may shape the way they do their church and the way they live their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.